0: Just Get Started podcast. I'm your host, Brian Andreco, and thanks again for being a part of this journey. On this week's episode, I am welcoming in Alda Dobbs, who is the author of the historical novels, Barefoot Dreams of Petroluna, and its follow-up, The Other Side of the River, that just launched recently here in September of 2022. Her debut novel received a Pura Beltre, I'm trying to pronounce that correctly, honor, and is a Texas Blue Bonnet master list selection. Alda was born in a small town in northern Mexico, but moved to San Antonio, Texas as a child. She studied physics and worked as an engineer before pursuing her love of storytelling. She's as passionate about connecting children to their past, their communities, different cultures, and nature as she is about writing. Alda lives with her husband and two children outside of Houston, Texas. So without further ado, let's welcome in Alda Dobbs. Alda, welcome to the podcast.
1: Oh, thank you, Brian. Thank you for having me here. I'm
0: excited. I'm excited to chat with you because, you know, as I was doing some research for this conversation, you and I have some, it seems like not not obviously parallel past, but I guess we can call it parallel past, but similar kind of stories of when we started writing
1: mm-hmm. to
0: actually publishing and putting our ideas out, it seemed like a many years, you know, for, <laughs> for folks that have listened to this podcast enough, know, you know, my first children's book that, launched in uh, May of 2021, I started writing in 2012. And then Uh I shelved it for many years, it was kind of scared. And we can go into that if needed. (laughs) Um, But I so I noticed I was curious to start kind of with your getting started moment. And, um, and you could take it another avenue. But at least from what I researched, it seemed like, you know, you were kind of in the engineering side of things, you were kind of doing your thing. And then you had some encouragement from your husband to kind of lean into the writing. So I'm kind yeah. of curious, maybe if you take us back a dozen years, kind of where you were at at that point, what kind of writing background you had, and then why was it important to start writing at that time? So you can kind of take it from whatever angle. But I thought that would be a good starting point to uh, to get into it.
1: Yeah, no, no, it's great because yeah, it's funny you mentioned about the ten years because uh, I read a. I'm not to go off track here, but uh, or sidetrack. I read one book uh, by Noah Lukman. He has books on the craft and whatnot but um one thing that caught my eye and he said that on average people it takes people about 10 years to get published oh, wow. so I was like wow okay and when I started publishing I'm like yep yeah, there it is 10 years so yeah and I hear that frequently so but anyways the way I got started the thing with me was that um I was born in Mexico moved to the United States and everything around me was in Spanish so I didn't learn English until I got to into school into kindergarten and uh, the teacher I had at the time wasn't the most patient with me and another immigrant boy. Uh, and he could he would get frustrated every time we try to, you know, ask for something he wanted to do us to do it in English. We wouldn't do it right. He would get really upset. And I grew up fearful of the language. I had, you know, I feared him. I feared English. And that fear turned into rebelliousness. You know, once I got a little older into my tweens, then I just disliked English. I didn't care about English, didn't read books in English, didn't care about writing, but I love storytelling. That's something that always lived in me passionately just because my families love sharing stories. And that's something I always like sharing, you know, back to my cousins and stuff like that. So storytelling was part of my, of my family. And I always had these stories inside me. But like I tell you in readers, I always thought you had to know perfect English or, dominate the language completely in order to write a book I didn't realize you had to be a storyteller so uh I came across one time in high school uh a tattered copy somebody had left a copy in a bus a public bus that I was riding back uh, from work to to home I was 16 and it was a copy of Catcher in the Rye and by Salinger and I picked it up not knowing what it was and I said I wonder what this is so I opened it up and that was it. I was glued to the book. I couldn't put it down. I, I didn't sleep that whole night because I had to finish a book. And that's when I realized, you know, there's just magic in this in books. And I, I said, okay, I want to do this, you know, because it's a storytelling. And, um and so that idea was born in me about wanting to be a writer. Fast forward, when I took my entrance exams to college, I Still had the idea of becoming a writer, but I did horrible <laughs> in my English entrance exam, really, really bad. And I thought, you know what? That's a sign. That's somebody telling me not to be a writer. And but numbers came easy to me all the time, and um, so I pursued physics and engineering. That that, but in the back of my head, I always had that storytelling nag inside me, all these stories and. 12 years ago it was my husband who you know who knew that and who had who knew I had that dream and um, we were living in Italy. Uh, he's military we were stationed over there and um, I had trouble finding work because of the the language and uh, it was uh, you know just getting to Naples, Italy unemployment in Naples and Italy at that time was 30 percent. Wow. So I couldn't find a job and that's when he said, look, you've always wanted to write. you've always wanted to be a writer. do it now. this is your chance you know, while you're waiting for calls and interviews and all that, just start writing. And I, that's when I took the plunge. I said, okay, you know what, let me do this. And, uh, and I think at that age already, I was in my mid thirties. Uh, I said, you know what, at, at this point, um, I had the confidence, not the confidence of writing, but the confidence that I, I could take that, that risk, that, that there, that, that plunge and not, you know, be more, with the word more, uh, not be fearful I was fearful that I would have been, you know, in my teens or in my twenties. So mm. I wish I would have had that same, um, courage. That's what it is. It was a courage. Yeah. I had that courage in my thirties. I didn't have that earlier. And I, that's what I tell younger, young readers right now, you know, every time I come across them, I'm like, have that courage You that know, confidence is not going to come right away. It's going to take work, but just have that courage to follow your passion, follow your dream.
0: Do you think it was, you know, and this may be going way down the rabbit hole, but, you know, talking with a lot of folks that I know, you know, that are immigrants and, you know, maybe, you know, obviously they weren't born in the U S or maybe they were, maybe, you know, again, but they were around kind of, you know, a, a different upbringing, but I know the fear I had and what was instilled being in a small town, just, I wasn't an immigrant, right. I mean, my great grandparents came here, but like, it was the, Hey, get a safe job, entry level job, work your way up. What I hear from a lot of, again, immigrants that are, are first generation are that, that was kind of the, like, because of the, you know, not the opportunity, I guess, potential, Mm -hmm. but like, because you feel like you're behind a little bit. Again, this I'm I'm going, tell me if I'm wrong on this. This No, no. Uh But like, you feel like, hey, I got to get a job. I got to provide, you know, that's going to be success. Like, was that ingrained with you when you were younger? And that maybe took you off the trying writing for a little bit and versus going into, I won't say safer, but like a more of a professional path.
1: Yes. No, you're absolutely right, because uh, my mom and I, we both immigrated to this country and we both. And that's something I put in my books too, the the generational difference of perspectives. You know, you have different generations. You're both immigrants, but you see the world and opportunities differently. And uh, for my mother, you know, she completed the eighth grade education. That was her highest grade. So when I graduated high school, she thought that was it. You know, this is you reached it. You know, this is the maximum. Get a good job. You're good to go. When I told her no, I I want more. You know, I want to go to college. She didn't understand why. What was the reason behind it? When you know, I had already a high school diploma, uh, but yeah, you're right. The, the safety net. You know, I when I started looking at degrees, that's what I I went towards. You know, because I say, okay, that's more. Um, there's less risk you know, there's more jobs. And that's just the way you're raised, right? You get a technical job, something secure, something that will give you a paycheck, you know, every month, and right. you can live off that. And and the same thing happened when I joined the military. I didn't, I was ignorant about what was available in the military. And had I known there was journalism, photography, languages, I would have, oh my goodness, in a heartbeat, taken one of those. But when they asked me, what do you want to do, you know, the recruiter, and I said, well, what what is there, you know, I want something that's steady that safe, that I could get, you know, get a job with the city when I get out. Right. And he said, well, you could do electronics. And I said, okay, sign me up. Uh, so I did electronics, not knowing there's a whole world, vast world of, you know, out there of, of bright brained uh, jobs out there. So cool. yeah, it was always trying to seek the most uh, stable and less risk uh, career paths.
0: As you look back now, and, and again, I know we're kind of piecing the story. There's there's probably, you know, we can obviously talk for hours and all the all the little nuances, but were you between 12 years ago and when you obviously first started your kind of career outside of you know college, were you doing anything writing related? Like were you jotting down stories at nighttime? Were you doing anything with it, or did you just kind of suppress it for many years and just walked away from it? Like were you thinking about it at all?
1: I, I would, I would think about it every time. You know, if I saw a little kid in a corner lose a, a balloon, I, my mind would just go into a whole story. Well, you know, what would happen to that balloon? How would that balloon connect back to the kid? You know, just a butterfly effect of how things are connected in, in the world and the universe. And always trying to make those connections. Always observing people. Always observing kids, animals, everything. And uh, so I always had a lot of stories inside me, but I, I didn't write them down. Yeah. That, on paper I had them in my head I had a whole you know stories lots of stories in my head and uh but my writing when I look back because I always told like I mentioned before I told myself I'm not really a writer you know I'm a technical person but looking back I had always written so many stories you know so many uh proposals for grants which you know you got to write a, a story your biography or your bio uh the proposal or you have to uh pitch your project so you're always writing a story you're always pitching a, a story so looking back i told myself wait a minute i've been a writer all along you know what is it that i feared english so much or writing english when i've i've been writing all my life you know for engineering there's also reports and and you got to also get requests. you know get clients and and whatnot you're always pitching a story there too um uh, and grad school, everywhere, there's always writing to be done. So I just put a creative spin to it, but the, the writing has always been there. It's always been part of me. And I think it's, we write more than we realize. And that's something I I want youngsters to to see that as well, that no matter what career you have, you're gonna write. <laughs> you're gonna, you gotta get that pinned down, you know, as a youngster, just to be able to guide your careers and all that. But, you know, know that you're gonna be writing regardless of what you do.
0: Were you were you still reading? You know, you talk about Catcher in the Rye and whatever. Were you still reading a bunch though, like those types of stories? I was. Yeah, massive.
1: I was reading a lot of nonfiction for, of course, for engineering and whatnot. But it, there, I, my physics background. I mean, I, I love physics just because of the the way you use your imagination. You have to, in order to understand very abstract concepts, whether it's uh, cosmology, you know, black energy, black holes out there, and or the subatomic particles, bosons, and Stuff like that, you have to use your imagination. So I always, you know, had nonfiction books that I would read or articles, but in my imagination, I always try to create stories and and uh, so yeah, I did a lot of reading with that, but I also did a lot of um, fiction writing, especially if it involved sci fi or historical, which was my favorite. So yeah, I was always kind of sneaking those in mm. <laughs> between my nonfiction stuff.
0: Well, that keeps your imagination going. You're like, right. I mean, you're, when you're reading those type of stories, I look at it too. And I, and I know you have two kids, like I have a son who's 10 and I actually it was, it's funny. I was just telling someone about this the other day, but of I read a lot of nonfiction, you know, a lot of like self-development books and, and those type of things, psychology books, et cetera. But I wanted to get more reading, more fiction books. And mm-hmm. I, but I think about it as like, man, I actually do read a lot of fiction because I read to my son every night. Oh, you know, you read all these different books. And now he's getting into like the chapter books and all that. And they're like really good stories. But anyways, it's like, it's amazing how when we leave, you know, kind of childhood and go into adulthood, a lot of times we forget it. And I know there's a lot of people that read fiction. But what I'm saying is, we kind of forget about those stories that kids read and just how fun and imaginative they are and, and how they kind oh. of stoke our wonder. Um, you know, as we get into adulthood, it's like, we forget about those, that those exist. I don't know. That's, that's... a random tangent, but it's like, yeah, if, no, we, it's... if we read those more, that would be, you know, that could give us, you know, an opportunity to an outlet, you know, to look at yeah. the world in a different way, you know?
1: Yeah, that's true. That's definitely true. And I envy my daughter. Now I, my daughter's 10 and uh, she'll read anything she gets her, her hands on and uh, yeah, she'll just she's such a fast reader. She'll read a book, you know, in three, five days. And I'm like, Oh my goodness. You know, if I had that time and at that age, Oh my, yeah, it would have been a different, <laughs> I would have been a writer, probably a lot younger, but, but that's all right. You know, everything's, you know, for a reason. So all, all of that at its timing.
0: Oh yeah. For, yeah, for sure. Well, let me ask you this. So would you go back to, again, let's look back a dozen years and, and your husband approaches, you And I'm assuming you've, you had several conversations around this. Um, did you know what you were going to write? Or did was that the start of like the ideation phase? Or did you did you have the story you were crafting in your head for a while and finally got some encouragement to put it on paper?
1: Yes, I did have that story ever since I was about 19 or 20 years old. I saw a magazine article about uh, monarch butterflies. And that just started a story. And, And for the next you know, 12, 13 years, I had been thinking about that story and adding to it and taking away from and just letting it grow. And when my husband, you know, I mentioned to him, I had that story and the desire to write. And when he told me to finally write, that's the one I, I ended up writing at first that I, and it it didn't get published, which I'm glad because it would have been embarrassing had it been published, you know, because I didn't know what I was doing, but you know, uh, like I told people that's, you got to, start somewhere, right? That's going to be your first project that you're teaching yourself, you're learning. So it's good to have something like that, that doesn't get published, doesn't see the uh, light of day, but that's fine. You know, you're getting started.
0: What kind of book was it like a chapter book or like what, what type of book was it?
1: It is. Yeah. Middle grade, what I write right now.
0: Okay. And you just decide, I guess I'm wondering, like, is there a reason you didn't self publish it? Like, were you like, what was the reason you decided not to
1: put it out in the world? My, my desire was to, I wanted to, I wanted the traditional uh, okay. route and I knew it, it was going to be an uphill climb, you know, really, really tough uphill climb. But I, I wanted that um, get vetted, you know, by the agents or the publishing houses. I Because I see how difficult it is when you're self-published just to, the promotion, you're on your own. And, and I, you know, I see many wonderful books out there that are amazing, you know, self-published books, but just to get the word out there, the, the marketing behind it and all that. And the way my schedule was with the kids and my husband always traveling. I said, you know what, I, I just don't have the, the time and the manpower and all that energy to put behind a book like that. So let me try this way, see if it works. And we'll give it our best shot, you know, and, and hopefully we know I was crossing my fingers the whole time it it worked, you know, but there, there is ways, you know, there are a lot of opportunities, a lot of networking. It is possible. It's going to take time. You know, it's going to be, you got to have thick skin and a lot of patience, but you know, it is possible.
0: So that first book that you said wasn't published, how many years did it take to write that?
1: That one took about, I'd say about two years, a year and a half or two.
0: Okay. And the reason I ask is, this is one of the toughest things that I think we all experience in life. And that's sunk costs. You invested two years, you put all this time and effort, it's like, to actually shelve that and not publish it. <laughs> like, how did you can you share like the emotions around that? How you felt? What was the, like? how did you overcome that? Because I know that's challenging, debilitating to a lot of us.
1: It, it is it is I would take it at conferences because you they have these professional writing conferences where you um, have access to professionals, agents, editors, and they critique the first 10, 20 pages. you you pay you know to talk to them. they, they give you feedback on those pages. And uh, every time I took that butterfly story, um, yeah, I mean, you should have seen my, my sheets are all filling red and marks, red markings all over. And um, but I saw improvement, you know, little by little. And when I realized that, you know, I wasn't really getting the manuscript in shape, I figured that's when I stepped back and I said, you know what, let me try a different route and see if this works. And that's when I started focusing on children's magazines and newspaper articles. So I said, let me focus on those stories. They're smaller shorter arc the revisions quicker and it'll get me the practice that I need for not only revision but how to submit and how to work with an editor and luckily I was able to publish through highlights magazine and that got me that first um, uh, professional you know feel of how to work collaborate with that industry and uh and after that you know another idea came for a magazine article which was turned out to be the book that i have now so you never know how you know you're going to lead but you you chisel your way through figuring out which is the, the best route and of course you network as you grow as a writer and you learn that there's different methods different ways everybody's journey is unique but you start just realizing that there's more there's uh what do they say in in, in english you know there's more than one way to I don't skin know. a cat—that's
0: the—that's the, yeah, what my grandmother—that's what my grandmother used. To use. There's more than one way to skin <laughs> a cat. I don't—I still don't know what that means, but <laughs> we'll go with it. Um, after all these years, so like in terms of again, so you shelved that book, and obviously this idea came to to write this other one. What was the thought, like, did you take the same approach going into that? Maybe that's a good place to start. Like, what what is your approach to writing? How do you structure the writing process? Are there any tools you use? You know, sure. all so the, the good first, stuff. Anything in particular you'd share?
1: Yeah, I know. The, the first article was, again, in my imagination, you know, it was, um, it was about Day of the Dead. And uh, I had a Mexican character doing a typical dance for Day of the Dead. And I made a whole story behind that and it got published in highlights. And then they asked me if I had more stories, you know, that showed minorities or Mexican culture and heritage. And I said, yeah, I, I have more. And and then that's when the idea of my great grandmother's story came to mind when she escaped the, the Mexican revolution back in 1913 and ended up in a refugee camp in Texas. And I said, you know what, let me write a an article for highlights about that experience my great grandmother had at the refugee camp. So I began, uh, you know, just plotting the the outline. When I said, you know what, let me find out if it's true, because maybe it's a family story that's been told for generations, and I have no idea. So at that point, I embarked in this research thing that I didn't know it was going to, you know, take me this long to find out. And ended up taking me about a couple of years to find out. And I was about to give up many times, you know, because I could not find the facts for that story. But uh, finally, it was one newspaper article that showed me that, yeah, that was my great grammar story. Everything she had described and that experience trying to cross the border was in that article, that newspaper article from 1913. And that's when I said, you know what, this is such a powerful story. I I have to turn it into a book. You know, I can't keep it as a magazine article. It's just too powerful. And at that point, it was going to be a picture book. So I said, okay, I'm going to make it into a picture book. So again, I have no idea what I'm doing because I had written that butterfly novel, not a picture book. So I went back to try to learn how to do picture books, but took it to um, critiques at conferences. And they kept saying, no, it's too long. It's 1,500 word manuscript. You know, picture books should be 500 words. And um, so that's something I learned, but I kept getting this feedback that no, it doesn't sing well. You know, the voice doesn't sound well. And finally, one agent uh, said she loved it, but she thought it should be a a novel. You know, she said, this reads as as a chapter from a novel. And that's when I said, okay, I'll turn this into a novel, you know, and it took me another six, five, six years before I turned it into a novel. But you know, that's that's a um, jump I did. I said, okay, I'm going to tackle this. You know, I got to learn how to do the research because it's very different when you do research for engineering versus historical fiction. And I had to learn that again, you know, I teach myself that. And, um, but, so that took time. And, but at the end of those total of seven years, it turned out to be two novels that, uh, oh, wow. that, that came out of that.
0: And, and did you decide... I, or I guess what was the decision to split those up and not just have one big novel, I guess.
1: That's a great question because that picture book, the scene where I had my great grandmother or not my great, the fictional character, but inspired by my great grandmother that was in the, in the refugee camp that turned out to be the first chapter of the second book. So at that point when I had, I said, okay, I have the first chapter of the, of a story. I didn't really realize it was a second book. I just said, I have this, but I have to find out how my character gets to the scene here. What, what trigger what was the triggering event that led her to eventually end up in the refugee camp. So that's when I backtracked all the way to, okay, what it cost her to leave her home. And, you know, I just worked the story from there. And then once I got to the, you know, international bridge and then the refugee camp, okay, now where do I want my character to end? You know, so then I took it to the other extreme. So I had this huge story and my husband's the one that you know he's my critique partner he reads everything and uh, he's the one that said you know what I think you have two books here because if you think about the story arcs you have two of them here but of course we don't we're not professionals we don't know what's going on and and finally you know I asked a friend who who was a published author and she said yeah well actually no I didn't ask her but I I just submitted the first part to her and I said read this what do you think? And without telling her I had this other section when she read it, she said, she said, yeah, this is good. It's ready to submit. You should submit this already. And I said, okay, great. So when I approached the agent, I said, I possibly have two books here. Don't know. And yeah, once she read it, she said, yeah, I know you, you have two books here. So I was like, yes, you know, i was so excited that seven years had paid off with with two books.
0: Mm. What was the I guess if you can share maybe a little thought around patience, because, you know, we could tell this story now like, oh, yeah, seven years. Life happens in that time. You have all this stuff going on. So can you share just a little bit about how you stayed consistent with whether it was writing every day or I don't know how you wrote or how you ideated to kind of put these together, but to stay patient all those years?
1: Yeah, it's gotta like I tell people, it's gotta be an idea that really fires you up, that really just drives you that you can't stop thinking about it. You can't especially when it's this long, just because you could lose, you know, the, the the vigor to to put all that energy. And I had two small kids, you know, and I I was pregnant with my son when the idea came to came to me. And of course, I started working and I had two, a toddler and a baby, a newborn. We moved to Colorado, no family there, military husband, traveling a lot. So it was just trying to write at night when, you know, the kids that were in bed already or during nap times or just juggling stuff. But it was that passion that I believed in that story. And I felt that that story had to be told because they would encourage other people to seek their own family stories. So it's something that drove me to just find find the time and you know here and there and whatnot but yeah there was times there's plenty of times when I wanted to just put everything down and race you know just kind of quit and give up but uh like I could tell people I have a, a husband who's in the in the military he doesn't sugarcoat anything so lucky for me because he tells me everything honestly but every time I'd say I wanted to quit he'd be like okay sure go ahead yeah you've been working on this fine you know, six years, go ahead, do it. <laughs> you know, you wouldn't throw all that down the drain. And at that point I'd say, okay, all right, you're right. No, I'm like, I'm not going to quit, you know, but yeah, there's a lot of times I wanted to quit, but it's just that, that patience. And like I tell people the thick skin, cause you're going to get a lot of rejections and you gotta, sometimes I, I looked at people that got rejected many times and try to say, okay, they did it. They stuck with it. You know, it's in me. I could do it too. And for in- instance, someone that inspired me a lot was uh, Katie. Camilo, because of When Dixie, author, uh, she got her manuscript because of When Dixie got rejected, I think four hundred times, four hundred twenty-three wow. times. Wow! And she finally got that one yes. <laughs> so that gave me a lot of hope. I said, "All right, if she did it, you know, I, I've got some hope here." So,
0: and and when so with the two um, manuscripts kind of at the same time, how was that launch? Like, how did you talk initially and did that change with the uh, the publisher was like, was there going to be like a year or two span between the two or like, were you going to, you know, six months? I don't know. Like, how did you structure to say, Hey, we have two books because most people probably don't have that. I, I would think they're kind of yeah. writing the next one as the other one's getting published. I would assume.
1: Yeah, I'm. I'm not sure. Like I said, every writer's unique. But for my situation, um, my agent uh, proposed both books to the publisher, and, and they bought them. They both they bought both books. I was very fortunate about that. And uh, Source Books, my publisher, you know, said, "Yeah, we'll publish this book here, and then we'll you know have the timeline for the next one." Now the next one was only 75% done, you know, or revised because the first one I had revised (laughs) to the T, you know, over and over second one, about 75% revised. So yeah, I had to get some work and now I had to pace myself with writing deadlines because I didn't have that before, you know, I had the luxury of just being on my own and now there was a real deadline. So now it was like kids, you know, Mommy's got to work, you know, or I, I can't, you know, this Saturday, this weekend I have to work. So yeah, there's a lot of um things that had to change in the family just to give me the time to write, you know, to focus on the on the writing deadlines.
0: So if you know, if if you take, I guess if we put the cap on of someone that's starting their writing journey, mm-hmm. whether they're gonna publish a book or whatever, being just wanna just you know be a blogger. I don't know. Is there anything you've learned now in the journey that you would share? Um, to maybe again maybe it's tools you use that helped you stay organized maybe it's certain you know time practices and i don't know anything that you would share that's kind of helpful um, now and looking back that would have been helpful seven years ago
1: oh yeah no there's a lot of uh, great books on craft out there that that helped me at times there's some that are not the best you know but there's a few that are excellent you know that, that taught me a lot um something else well courses webinars um, that are offered out there there's a lot of great classes too ask other authors other writers you know or you feel free to contact me on my website i you know i could help you and lead you so you don't have to reinvent the wheel and uh and what would help me the most is uh reading reading books you know in my genre what i was writing so for instance a lot of um feedback I got in my manuscript for this, these two novels was that I didn't have I didn't show enough emotion. Uh, and maybe it's my, you know analytical engineering mind that I'm very succinct and just direct. and people kept saying, well, I want to feel what the character's feeling. I'm you're not letting me feel that. So I started going back to books other children's books, you know, written by the masters, you know, like Lois Lauri and Avi and I would read through them and every time I felt an emotion you know I would backtrack and highlight okay what was that word what was that phrase that triggered that emotion what happened in the scene and just like a biologist you know just you dissect every scene every sentence and and break it down to see what effect it brought you know whether it's backstory or an emotion and you copy that you try to you know, get those ideas and and implement in your own work and your own story. But yeah, you learn a lot more by, by reading, you know, by, by really analyzing these books, these, these wonderful works out there.
0: Mm. Yeah. The, uh, as we were talking about earlier, just like it's when you read other folks work, it kind of just, not that you're going to take their stuff, but you kind (laughs) of just see like, Oh, okay. There's a, this is a unique style. This is different. This is Okay. And it just kind of gets you a, a different way of thinking. I think it also is like you almost figure out like, okay, I like to write this way. I don't like that. That doesn't that doesn't suit me. And you almost kind of start, you know, navigating into a certain direction. You know,
1: exactly. Yeah, you you do that, and and also um, you like you said, you don't take away from them, but you you kind of see the way they, the technique that they use. And when you write, the more you write, the more you, write, the more you end up coming up with your own voice. Uh, but that takes, you know, a lot of writing. So you have to do this, you know, as often as you can, write and write. And before you know it, you'll start coming up with your own voice and your own technique of of telling a story or telling, describing things too. It becomes very unique to you. But you're gonna get a little piece from everyone. But at the end, it's gonna be you, the one who's uh, telling the story. And something else that I, before I forget, that helped me tremendously is those critiques from professional. Uh, conferences get those because those will help you shape the manuscript that will help you shape your your writing style as well and they will also provide networking too because i've had mentors you know that i met at writing conferences that if it wasn't for them i i wouldn't be here so whatever whether it's writing or any career field get a mentor you know i always tell people because i had one in physics i had some in engineering have them in writing Every time you enter a field and you feel, look at somebody who's five years, you know, ahead of you or 10 years where you want to be and try to, you know, ask them for for advice. There's a lot of people out there that are willing to help and give you, give you advice. And then later on, guess what? You, you pay it forward, mm-hmm. but always seek those mentors because they're, they're invaluable.
0: That's awesome. Yeah. Well, I would love to get some insight maybe, and, and we can kind of, you know, wrap up the conversation for today around so we talked about obviously if a writer is getting started but Mm -hmm. what about in someone in general and you could take this from a this could be a quote you live by maybe it's a you know just a a mindset you changed over the years but is there anything encouragement to anyone whether they're writing or they're an artist or they want to start a garden or whatever who knows whatever um to help them on their path forward to get started today and, and move in a better direction anything you'd share to to give them encouragement
1: for me, it would be that just courage, you know, have the courage to to follow your heart, to follow the passion. Don't go where the trend is or the money is, because uh, I think I did that with engineering. <laughs> yeah. I my heart was in physics. I love physics, but I went into engineering thinking, you know, that's where the job security is. And because at the time, physics was not doing well. But hindsight, I should have followed my heart and, and stuck, you know, with physics but things work themselves out. I'm a writer now, which I'm I'm really happy now. But but have that courage, you know, to follow your heart, you know, follow your your passion, and like they say, it won't feel like work, you know, once you you follow that. And that's how I feel now when I'm writing. You know, it's hard work, and sometimes you know I I get stuck. I have the blank screen, but it's a passion. You know, you come to it uh, excited because you, you want to do that. So yeah, find that. You know, keep searching until you find that that what makes your heart sing
0: yeah, that's that's a great point. And I think also, if I just layer on there is if it does feel awkward or it feels like it's not like you feel like you're almost being fake, it's probably the wrong path. Like mm-hmm. if it feels good, if it's like, this is I enjoy doing and you think about it a lot, you know, I think that's important too. Like, you know, what do you think about? What are the things that you know you're excited about? That's exact. not a bad angle to go down and explore mm-hmm. that, you know?
1: Exactly. I think sometimes
0: we we get stuck in like, okay, this is what everyone else wants me to do. This is whether it's safe or not. Like, this is what other people want me to do. This is what I should be doing. Mm-hmm. Is it actually what you should be doing? You
1: know, exactly. And there's something, you know, sometimes there's temporary, there's spaces in life where you got to do something else, but, you know, keep that, don't let that dream, you know, uh, fizzle away. Just keep at it, you know, keep that faith that that you will get to that and keep working at it on the side, you know, as you as you get there, you know, get closer to your dream.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So tell us about the books. Where can we find them? Um, what, and, and what like age group are they for? What's what give me a little, that's in the detail.
1: Sure. Yeah, these are, they're technically they're middle grade books geared to ages eight to 12. Um, both of them, they're historical fiction, but I've had, uh, senior citizen homes ask, me to give talks for them because they choose them for their book club or in in community colleges. So yeah, it's probably for all ages just because of the historical aspect to them. And uh, it's Barefoot Dreams of Petroluna, which was inspired by my great grandmother who escaped the Mexican Revolution back in 1913. And it, it leads her across the desert trying to flee the Federales and trying to make it north to the United States. The second book, The Other Side of the River, now she's in America. Petra luda and she's in the refugee camp and then goes on to San Antonio, Texas where she's competing for resources because there's 30,000 refugees in that city. so limited resources, housing, uh, employment. And uh, yes, both books could be found anywhere where books are sold. And uh, you can visit my website www.aldepehops.com and there you'll find resources. you'll, you'll see book trailers uh, and playlists that are songs that are mentioned in the book. So yeah, there's a lot of resources and there's a contact information too. If you want to get in touch with me, share your own family story, because that's ultimately what I want to encourage people to seek their own family stories, all these family stories, you know, before they get lost.
0: That's awesome. Well, I'm excited for you. I'm excited. I'm going to get, I'm going to get these for my son, have him read them. I'm sure he would enjoy them. So (laughs) uh, I I appreciate it and look forward to, do you have another one in the works? What's, what's the, give us any, (laughs) <laughs> Any spoilers here for uh, no, the future
1: I do I have a book three and it's also middle grade but it's completely a different character different nice. setting you know I, at first I they asked me if it was going to be historical fiction and I said no I think I'm going to do it pre devised maybe 80s 90s and they said well yeah that's historical fiction and I said oh really oh my goodness <laughs> oh, okay well all right. I guess I grew up my era of 80s and 90s. is historical fiction now. Yeah.
0: Well, same same on this end. So, well, this is how it happens. So, well, I, <laughs> I appreciate you being on. This is a lot of fun. And uh, thank you so much for uh, sharing your journey.
1: No, thank you, Brian, for having me here. It's an honor to be here.
0: Hey, everyone. And just one more quick thing before you head off on your day. If you're enjoying this podcast and are looking for other resources and tools to help you get started and move forward toward a happier and more fulfilling life, then I'd encourage you to head over to my website, brianandreco.com, and hit the subscribe button in the upper right corner. There you can find my newsletter and blog subscriptions, where I share insights and information around getting unstuck, perspective, mindset, relationships, habits, and much more. If you get a chance to sign up, I hope you enjoy. Thanks again for listening in. And have a phenomenal day.